What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Swipe Up. I want to give you a full look behind the curtain on what's going on this week. If you follow me on Instagram at TylerWebLLC, you would know that I posted a Q&A session to do with an anonymous Instagram admin. Today is Wednesday, June 2nd. And I'm supposed to be recording an interview with this individual this afternoon, but unfortunately, due to some scheduling conflicts, he had to move to tomorrow. So I decided to record this filler piece of evergreen content, something that I could release this week or next week. And so that way, if I'm able to record the episode that I have with him tomorrow and get it out in a timely manner, that will be out on this coming Sunday uh, for me, which is june early june however if i can't do that then it will be released the following week so not that that matters to you just wanted to give you a peel behind the curtain you might be wondering i thought this episode was going to come out with an instagram admin it is do not worry it was just uh, an episode i might have to push back so if you're hearing this um, when you're hearing it you'll know it's already happened i do not in any case that's enough of behind the scenes stuff this week i wanted to talk about an opportunity that i've been um, working on for man it was probably the past eight months now and something that you might know if you're a season one listener of How They're Here. How They're Here. That was my first podcast. I was Swipe Up. And you know that Jordan Lundell and I, uh, the guy who co-hosted this podcast with me in season one, were introduced to an opportunity uh, through a classmate of mine who I didn't know on a personal level, only through a class, um, for, to work on the digital media strategy for a professional baseball league. You're probably like, geez, Tyler, get to the point already. That league, the American Association, is an independent baseball league here in the United States that has 12 teams across the country. They're partnered with the MLB. They're not minor league affiliated. So if you know anything about how baseball works, you know that um, major league baseball teams have minor league teams where they bring their prospects through. And then once they're ready or good enough, they go to the major leagues. Uh, the independent league is still professional baseball. They still get paid to play baseball, but it doesn't feed into the MLB the way that the minor leagues do. It is its own entity, its own league. Um, oftentimes players get signed by major league teams, their contracts get bought out by major league teams, uh, it's still really high level baseball. These guys are for whatever reason, not playing in the minors, not playing in the majors. Maybe they already did for their career and they're ending their career with the uh, American association. Maybe things in the minor leagues didn't work out for them. And so they're trying to, uh, still pursue their dreams for the major leagues in the American association, whatever it may be. These professional baseball players they get paid to play baseball it's really high level baseball the fans are awesome um, i had been to an independent league an american association game actually before i even started working with them and it was just a ton of fun because if you know anything about baseball especially independent baseball even minor league baseball uh oftentimes the draws are not as the crowd draws are not as large as major league uh, and people, you know, nationally at least care a little bit less. It's a very regionalized sport. So the way to get people out to these games uh, can get really creative. And the St. Paul Saints were probably one of the best examples where the atmosphere, you know, playing a game in St. Paul was insane. There was a ton of in-between inning promotions, um, all these little games and, and uh, bits of entertainment that accompanied the baseball. And so while the baseball is really high level, uh, there it was a full entertainment show. I, I don't want to equate it exactly to a circus because that might strip away the level of baseball that's being played, which is, again, really high. But 
there are these components of just something is happening at all times. Um, it's a really exciting way to take in baseball and something that if you've never done before, I, I highly encourage you to do so because the, uh, the gloves can come off a little bit. It's not as stiff and up tight as a lot of people might assume professional baseball to be. And so it can be, uh, it can be a really fun and unique experience for a lot of people. So with that background aside, uh, Jordan and I, and I'm going to encourage you to go listen to these episodes um, for swipe up. You might, see them under the biggest meeting of our lives title or something like that. Uh, this, th- these meetings happened in last October, November. I mean, we had to sit down and, and pitch ourselves essentially to the American Association at the league level. So the commissioner and the executives there. And then um, they brought our pitch to the board meeting with all the team owners and general managers um, to convince them to allow the league to spend money on us, which I think it's funny because we're just kind of a humble team that admittedly doesn't get paid uh, millions of dollars, probably not surprising to many of you. And it was an interesting position to be in to have to be pitched like that. Like, hey, our digital media strategy matters and it hasn't been very good. Here's why it matters. Here's what these guys can do. Um, and here's how it's going to help all of us if we can make it better. And then that was the, the very impetus of the pitch. I won't belabor that point too much because you can go back and, and listen to what that was like and what our thought process was. And I think it was a really cool thing for Jordan and I to document that um, and then to inevitably get that job and, and to sort of go along that journey with a lot of you that listened or, or might not have listened, but it's something again that you can go back and, and do so. So we are now fast forward eight, nine months and the league has, uh, the season has started rather. The season started on May 18th. And so leading up to May, we were posting content, trying to hone in what our tone was, um, what the, you know, the, the, the pragmatic Stamp, from the, a pragmatic standpoint of how we were going to post, how often we were going to post, um, getting all the technical things out of the way, what we we're going to use to post, uh, the, the softwares. I, like We had to get that all figured out. We were starting from literally scratch. The, the league had, up to that point, not done much work on uh, to build out their digital media uh, competencies. And so we had to build that from scratch, which is a tough undertaking, to, to be honest with you. You know, Having to uh, know what you don't know can be really overwhelming and, and you can spend like we did eight months on a project and you can still get to a point where like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about this. And this opens up a whole wave of uh, anxious feelings and a whole wave of um, unpreparedness because you're like, I didn't even think about needing X tool or I didn't even think about considering X way to track our analytics. And we need to figure this out. We need to do this because it's really important. And so scrambling to do that um, was quite the experience. And I think myself and Jordan and Jake who introduced us to this opportunity learned a lot and now that we're in the season, it's really just been a trial by fire. And, and we've always known that, that that's what it was going to be. We knew we weren't going to be perfect from day one. We certainly were not perfect day one. Uh, I inconveniently scheduled a vacation where I was going to be away from my laptop during the opening week, which it's great that we had a team in place and, and a plan in place roughly to know how we were going to execute. But you know that, again, was just another hiccup to where you couldn't plan for all the things that were going to happen. And, and we didn't. We didn't even try to, really. Uh, we knew that we were going to be... Uh, flying by the seat of our pants and, and doing this in a trial by fire. But I think that's what's allowed us to do really cool things and what is going to continue to allow us to do uh, really cool things from a content standpoint, a messaging standpoint, um, and hopefully a, a, a results standpoint for, for the league and for, for all the teams. So what I wanted to touch on were just a handful of things that I've learned in this experience. If, if you would have told me back in January, I guess I would have known this back in January. If you would have told me a year ago now that I was going to one, be working for myself in the capacity that I am. And two, that literally before I even start working full time, I was going to have a professional baseball league as a client. I think I would have slapped you in the face and said, you're ridiculous. 
but that's how it's worked out. And, and I'm very grateful for how it's worked out. And again, I think you should go back and listen to that conversation that Jordan and I had about this coming to fruition, because I think it was really telling for why content like this is important is really telling, um, just a really telling experience for how building yourself with a brand uh, can serve you. But this experience has been something that I've always dreamed about doing, but actually doing it has opened my eyes to a whole bunch of different things that I didn't know or I didn't realize that would, would come into play. Uh, and I think the very first thing that, that comes to mind when I think about this American Association experience is the importance of having a brand voice, um, knowing who you're competing against online, and knowing how to create personal connections um, with your end user, and even knowing who that end user or that end fan of yours is. One thing that we talked a lot about when we were ideating and brainstorming for the American Association was, you know, it would be really easy to be a run-of-the-mill corporate style account, basically follow what the MLB does or the NFL does and take that model and just apply it and say, okay, here's who won and lost today. Here are some good players. Here's a couple highlight clips. Here's some pictures. Here are the scores. Uh, here's the upcoming schedule, yada, yada, yada. And we do a lot of that. We recognize that it's important for the league's fans to know who won and lost and who plays when and who the good players are. But how you message that and how you put that content out um, the methods, the, the features that you use, the tone that you use, um, the formats that you use, that is all up to your discretion. And that obviously following on me and Jordan and Jake and the rest of the team. And so when we were thinking about what positioning, what messaging, what tone we want to take with the American Association, we had to first recognize who we were competing against. And I think it's obvious that there are other independent baseball leagues and even outside of that, there are other baseball leagues uh, like the MLB or like minor league baseball um, that we're competing with. There's other sports entities that we're competing with, you know, whether it be baseball or, or uh, basketball or football or soccer, um, whatever it may be. Uh, but we had to broaden that out even farther. We had to think about, OK, we're competing with the ESPN of the world, the Bleacher Reports of the world, the sports centers of the world, uh, the House of Highlights of the world, all these theme pages that post about sports, uh, you know, specifically baseball. We, we're competing in this ecosystem for sports attention. And I think especially when you talk about baseball, this is a whole nother philosophical conversation about how baseball fares in the digital media landscape today. Um, when you talk about baseball, there already is an inherent setback. Um, when you think about, about it just anecdotally, a lot of the content I see on Instagram are not baseball highlights. You know, it's, it's stuff that's a little bit more um, high energy, fast paced, stuff like basketball and, and, and football uh, or, or soccer. And there's just a general lack of urgency around some of these sports. I know basketball is going through a very similar thing when they see their ratings dip because there's a lack of urgency in the regular season. Baseball is a similar way. They play 162 games in the major league. And so day in and day out, it's hard and tiring for a casual fan to follow uh, their favorite baseball team because there's always going to be a game tomorrow. There's always going to be a game later on in the week. Um, and one game, it's hard to understand how one game over this co course of 162 games can really play uh, that big of a factor. So we're already fighting an uphill battle being a baseball uh, page, a page that posts uh, content around that sport. And then we're also fighting an uphill battle because we're clearly not as established as some of these huge um, social media outlets, the Barstools, Bleacher Report, Sports Centers, ESPNs of the world. Um, and so we didn't want to compete with them in terms of we have to get stuff out the fastest. Um, we have to be the first to it. Uh, we have to be you know, the most comprehensive posting every little thing. Uh, we, did, we didn't want to be that. And at the same time, we realized we weren't the MLB or the NFL, so we couldn't just take a very middle-of-the-road, straight-line approach of, again, here are the scores, here are the teams playing, here are the good players, here are just some pictures of it, you're going to enjoy it because of the inherent product it is. Um, we knew that people 
just didn't care as much about the American Association as they might about the MLB or the NFL. Of course, we have our diehard fans and we really love and appreciate them. But we realized that to capture that casual fan, um, we would have to be speaking more at their level. We couldn't just be speaking as if they knew all the players and all the teams and everything that was going on. We had to uh, really get down to their level and, and speak to them that way. So if we couldn't be in the middle of the road, sort of corporate style, and if we couldn't be the quantity, 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 get things out as fast as possible, where were we going to fall? Where were we going to find our differentiation? And that's how we sort of came across or developed our tone. And the one that we have right now, which I think is really witty, uh, really sarcastic at times. Um, It has a really dry, uh, unique sense of humor. And I think it speaks really personally to the fan. So I try to come at it as an outsider, which I am, of the American Association. You know, before this year, I had gone to an American Association game, but I, I wasn't a regular fan of the league. And as I get into it now, and as I talk with people in the league and, and fans that are regular fans of it, of course, they have their own lingo and they have their own understanding of, of what the league is and who the teams are and who the players are. But as an outsider, you sort of develop this understanding and this opinion about what the league is. And I think I sort of incorporated that into the social tone that we have. So I try to talk about things as exciting as they can be. I, I try to pull individual plays and and show them for the high level quality baseball that they are. I, I try to introduce players and, and put players on a pedestal that are really talented that fans can sort of gravitate to. We sort of have a run, running joke right now. There's this rookie, uh, Will, the thrill is what they call him. And kind of creating a, a funny narrative around him that we're a stan account for for Will the Thrill. Um, building him up as a brand and as an individual is something that our fans can connect to and that a casual fan can look at and be like, hey, there's an inside joke here. I'd love to be in on this inside joke um, and, and what this means. And, and also, I, I don't think uh, something that, that we've tried not to do is take ourselves too seriously. I think when you think about these middle of the road, corporate style, MLB, NFL accounts, um, things like that, they take a really, and I think this even happens with ESPN and sports center they take a really uh they take themselves really seriously they every little mistake has to be taken down and redacted and retracted and and put back up and uh, you know apologies are issued or or they, they they have to address it in one way or another they have to be perfect uh and that can get really hard and when you're trying to push the envelope and when you're trying to be funny and when you're trying to be witty uh and you're trying to be humorous you're trying to speak to the fans at their level uh you can't expect perfection. Um, I often think about this in, from the standpoint of different social justice conversations that are going on. Excuse my tangent. But you can't, I, I like to think that you cannot pro, uh, expect perfection in the pursuit of progress. And whether that means how somebody thinks about race relations in this country or whether it means um, how you think about developing your tone on social media, not to equate the two. I'm just saying the idea that you, if you're trying to progress and you're trying to really hone in a tone, you're trying to find something that works, you can't expect to be perfect every single step along the way. The easiest way to be perfect is just to take a middle of the road approach and just state explicitly what's happening. But we don't want to do that. We want to sort of push the envelope. We want to uh, create personal connections with fans. I think that's another way to do it. You know, we want to act as if we are an account that they would follow just purely because we post funny, humorous content. I think, again, about theme pages, uh, the fact that I come from this world where um, theme pages attempt to connect with people based on humor, uh, based on relatability. If we can make that connection with a casual fan um, and have them follow us just because they like our tone and they, and they connect with us on a personal level, uh, that's a win. And that's how we're going to capture new fans going forward. And of course, these diehard fans are, are going to continue to come back to us because they appreciate the product for what it is. But to capture new fans, we're going to have to start reaching them on, on the level that we're at. Uh, and you can't do that without sort of pushing the boundaries. So in that same vein of 
pushing the boundaries, something that we've rallied around as a team is to ask for forgiveness and not for permission. And this is something that I now, as I reflect a little bit more on what my work history has been, I, I realize that I do a lot of this, whether it be good for the good or for the bad. Uh, but I, I try things, I experiment with things. I think, again, this comes from my theme page mentality, which is you have to put out as much content as possible. And even if one flops, there's always going to be the next post, which could come as soon as an hour later. And so you don't, you can't get so paralyzed with making things perfect. Again, this comes to the progress over perfection idea. Uh, you can't get so paralyzed with making each post perfect. You just have to try new things, try things that might be a little out there, try things that are new, try things that are going to grab people's attention and cut through the noise. And if it flops or if it pushes people the wrong way, if it presses some people's buttons, then you can ask for a permission later. But I think what often frustrates me or has frustrated me in the past rather of, of working with bigger companies or working with people that are a little bit more hands-on surrounding their brand is they get paralyzed with this. Okay, every word here has to be perfect. Every graphic here has to fit exactly what I want it to. Uh, and in that paralysis, they don't get as much content out as they could, and they don't learn as much as they could about what works and what doesn't work. So when we think about what to do with the American Association, you know, I'm constantly putting out memes that uh, maybe poke fun at a play, uh, putting out memes that elevate certain players over other players. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with teams specifically to, to, to boost their brand and, and increase, help increase their engagement. And I'm, I'm talking with people and individuals and, and people that reply to us and, and poking fun at them and, and clapping back at them and, and engaging with them. And I think in doing this, again, coming back to the first point, you develop a lot of personal connections. Um, you get down to a casual fans level in, in a relatable way to where they want to follow you just for uh, the sheer entertainment that, that your account brings them. Uh, and then hopefully along the way, they become a fan of the baseball. But on top of that, um, you know, you're, you're going to start finding things that, that work and, and you're going to cut through the noise and, and you're going to differentiate yourself in, in a way that other accounts aren't, or quite frankly, cannot. You know, when you think about the, the sports centers of the ESPNs of the world, think about the mind numbing bureaucracy that a, a meme or a post has to go through. And I'm sure they have systems in place where, again, it, it's sort of like an ask for forgiveness, not for permission thing where they enable their employees to, to do things. But there's going to be some severe backlash at a company like that if something doesn't land the way it was intended, where something that we can put out on the American Association, you know, maybe somebody doesn't like it, but they understand what we are going for and, and we continue forward. And we always realize there's another post coming up. So that's been something that's been really huge for us. Um, something I encourage you a mindset I encourage you to start to adopt or think about at the very least with whatever brand you're working on, um, recognizing the fact that not every post is going to be a winner and that there are times where, hey, you know what, um, something might flop and, and that's okay as long as you stay within the Overton window of acceptable things to say on the internet. Um, I don't think there are too many ways that you can go wrong and you know, if something flops or if something gets a lot of negative publicity all publicity is good publicity. At the end of the day, you're going to increase your engagement. And, and I, I really, truly do not think that one misplaced tweet from the standpoint of, oh, it didn't exactly fit your brand voice or, hey, that was that joke didn't land or people didn't really find it funny. That's not going to sink the uh, sink the view of your brand. Any, if anything, that what's going to sink the view of your brand is if you keep doing average things. I listen to a podcast uh, called Today in Digital Marketing, and they often reference social media benchmarks across industries, talking about how the average Instagram engagement rate is currently 2.2%. And they talk about that when they look at their clients, they're like, yeah, this is 2.2%, but this is an average across all accounts 
in all niches or industries. And if you want to achieve the same average results, we can put forward the same average content. But if you want to ever have a chance of increasing your engagement rate or your follower growth or whatever it may be past the average, past these benchmark average, you're going to have to do things that are not just average. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do things that are beyond average, beyond the standard that cut through the noise uh, in hopes to capture personal connections with these people, develop a really specific brand voice and, and kind of rise above the competition. We have a really tall task ahead of us. We're never going to be an ESPN. We're never going to be a bar stool or a bleacher report, but we can try to connect with people in a way that those brands don't. And part of that, again, is, is pushing those boundaries. So the last thing that I want to talk about, uh, something that this, this has probably been one of the bigger changes for me, is proving your worth or showing your worth. And, and ever since we had to pitch to the American Association, we had to talk about the value of digital media. Uh, that was something that a conversation I'd had before, but still a bit of a, a foreign concept to me to have to sit down and really thoughtfully lay out uh, and concisely, frankly, lay out what the value of somebody like Jordan and I could bring to an entire professional sports league. And talking with people that are in the industry, like I do every single day, it seems obvious to us that digital media, of course, has a value, uh, not only its, its own independent tangible value, like an account can be worth some amount of money, but this whole idea that in increasing the value of your digital assets, there are going to be other offline effects that are positive for your brand. You know, we talked about some of them here, like creating personal connections, um, creating, turning casual fans into uh, more hardcore fans and solidifying the bond that hardcore fans have with the league. But of course there are going to be other off, uh, offline numbers that are improved, you know, when people feel a greater connection, now they want to come out and see the game. So they're going to go purchase ticket sales or people are really interested and intrigued by a certain play that we post online or by this amalgamation of really high level baseball that we're showing and they want to watch it for themselves. So they go subscribe to our, to our, um, a baseball.tv channel to watch all the games. And so there's other effects other than what I just laid out, uh, that can have a benefit in bottom line revenue for a league like this. And that was what we had to really convey that, of course, an increase in impressions are great. An increase in online engagement is great. Um, you know, getting conversations going, getting more followers, getting more people in the community, that's all great, but how does that affect bottom line revenue? And that's a little bit harder to nail down because it's really hard to draw a straight line from increased followers to increased uh, revenue. But there is a way to do that uh, in a not so illogical uh, jump or in not too far of a logical jump. And that's really what we try to do. And that's what we try to do on a consistent basis with uh, weekly analytic reporting or with monthly analytic reporting, showing what our prior benchmarks were and showing how we're knocking those out of the park right now. Uh, you know, we really have to hone in on what our goals are. That was something that the commissioner came to us and like, all right, this is what I'm seeing is really great, but what are we even trying to achieve right here? And I, that was a really fair question. It's like, what metrics are we trying to achieve? Uh, what KPIs on those metrics are we trying to achieve? And how is that affecting the things we said it was going to affect like ticket sales and like TV subscriptions and merch subscriptions and different things like that. So it, it has been a really interesting uh, logic puzzle for me, essentially is how I see it to draw the connection between increased impressions and X element of, of bottom line revenue. And I think that where we fall is as we can grow these connections online with people, as we can get people more wedded to the league, more wedded to the, uh, fans in the league more connected with those uh, fans in the league as the teams can do the same um, with fans of their own you know people want to start 
seeing this product for themselves. You know, people are going to be all summer, a couple times a day, berated with really high level uh, baseball highlights. They're going to be berated with the personalities or the uh, the excitement around certain players. And they're going to want to see that for themselves, or at least that's the hope that they're going to want to take uh, take that experience into their own hands. And the more we can do that, and as we aggregate all of this stuff together, it, it's not going to be one post that is going to be responsible for selling 50 tickets. You know, Maybe that's the case if we, we get into paid advertising, but it's going to be uh, the combination of all these posts, the uh, the aggregate of our tone over the course of the summer of the the imagery and the messaging that we're trying to convey that is going to, over time, push people towards this uh, in-person experience. We're going to be we're going to be convincing people that this experience is so good. This baseball is so good. The league is so entertaining. Uh, the connections with the players and the teams are so strong that you just have to see it for yourself in person or you have to watch it live or you have to buy the shirt or the jersey or whatever it may be. So that again, has been a really interesting uh, case study for, I know, Jordan and I to show what our value is because oftentimes when we have these conversations with people, it's already assumed that what we do is valuable. It's just a matter of executing on it. Here we had to show the value and execute on it and then come back and show the value of the things we executed on. And that's been really good and has allowed me to critically think about uh, the value of what my work is, which then in turn allows me to maybe raise my prices in the future because um, I understand the value I can bring to an organization and I can... uh, I can say that, uh, I can enunciate that value to the people that I'm working with or potentially working with, and they can say, you know what, you're right, this this, this really is uh, something that I need in my organization uh, at, or for my brand, and, and, and we go off to the races from there. So that was, again, a bit of a filler episode, um, something that I thought was worth talking about, um, something I've been thinking a lot about. I think when I, when I thought about what to uh, record, I just sit back and think about the things I'm doing on a daily basis. And I try to explain those in ways that are relevant to as many people as possible. So I really hope you got a lot of this episode. I think there are some things here that you can take to apply to brands that you're running to companies that you're working at. Um, realizing that all of these things um, that you do, you know, these are just three points, three things that I've learned. I've learned, it seems like a million more things, um, but all of these things in aggregate are what make uh, your brand, your digital media strategy move in a, upward and in rightward trajectory, move in a positive direction. So something that I can uh, encourage you to consider, um, you know, something about your worth as a social media manager, uh, something about how you're pushing the envelope and in, in what you're doing. And, and then again, about developing brand voice. This is things that these are things that I've talked about um, at length. So if you like this episode, make sure to go check out some of the other ones I've done. And I will see you guys next week. Please go follow me on Instagram at TylerWebLLC. I post a lot of fun funny, uh, interesting, uh, brain titillating marketing content there. So make sure to go follow me there and connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Tyler M. Webb, and send me a message if you heard me from this podcast. I'd love to hear that you enjoyed. All right. That's all I have for this week. Thank you guys so much. And I'll see you guys next time.